0: Hey there, everyone. Thanks for listening to Limited Engagement. I'm your host for the show, Jared Duran. My guest on this episode is Ashley Harder. She has a, a, a company called Harder Development, which we'll um, get into more of that in just a moment. This, uh, these sultry late-night FM tones are brought to you by the remnants of a head cold head cold stuffing your sinuses since the invention of the cold <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. I don't think I'm really, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Well, I'm pretty sure maybe it's psychosomatic. I don't know. Maybe I'm miss, uh, uh what do you call them? uh, It's one of those things where you're, I'm falsely equating the start of this cold with the standing outside Stinkweeds Friday morning after, you know, Black Friday um, for Black Friday Record Store Day to pick up a few things um, and uh, it being very cold and rainy and and the fact that I started uh, with a sore throat that night. Maybe I'm falsely equating that. Um but it was it was I argue it was worth it. Um but I have been sick since Thanksgiving pretty much. And um it's uh it's just all stuck in my sinuses, which is probably way more than you guys needed to know. But I wanted to explain the voice because it's 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 um I'm actually much better. There were a few mornings earlier this week where when I first woke up I sounded exactly like uh H. Sean Benjamin. I could have I could have been the voice of Bob uh for Bob's Burgers or Archer for Archer. <laughs> uh, anyway, bodies are gross. Uh, except when they're not. But under these current circumstances I'm of the opinion that they're gross. Um, but I do, I do want to mention something, um, you know, because as I mentioned, I want to mention something because I mentioned something else. Apparently, uh, I I was standing outside in the rain, uh, with a buddy of mine and, uh, but, uh, this is one of the reasons that I love going to stinkweeds and I will always support them. Uh, as long as I have the money to do so Is that um, You know uh, Dario who's, who's actually uh, who's, who's been a guest on the show before And is actually going to be a guest in the future um, uh, But you know We'll get into that when he's on the show <clears> They <throat> uh, like came up and saw all of us You know there were probably about 10-15 of us at the time And uh And, uh, you know, was, uh, went in and unlocked the door and then came back out and, and said, why don't you guys come on in and get out of the rain? And how many, you know, it's that kind of place where you get that sort of, um, I don't know, I just don't know that that would happen really in many other places, probably other places similar to stinkweeds that, um. You know, have a long-standing relationship with their customers, and you know, care about music and care about the people who love music because they're music lovers themselves, and um, you know, they go the the extra mile for their people. So, shout out to Stinkweeds for that, and Dario in particular. Um, and then, uh, uh, oh, so Jason Kyle, my friend. Uh, and co-host on What the Fork, um, uh, brought up when we were recording the most recent episode of that show, that uh, he's he's working. Speaking of mom and pop uh, record store, independent record stores, um, he's he uh, is is crusading to help save uh, a record store in Tempe. Uh, it's it's kind of a similar hole in the wall sort of situation. I've, I've not been there myself, but I will always, uh, you know, if if there is if there's an independent record store that uh, that needs a little help, I'm happy to give them a shout out. So it's a it's a record store called Pink Elephant Records, and it's in Tempe, and it's it's uh, apparently in trouble. So if if you are in that area or want to uh, maybe head out to that area. Um, It's uh, kind of on the Tempe Scottsdale border, really, uh, you know, closer to Scottsdale. So when you get off the 202, I think um, it's where if you go um, one way, it's it's, uh, deeper into Tempe and if you go the other way, it's Scottsdale road. Um, yeah, north of Scottsdale, south, I think it's McClintock. I don't know. Anyway, it's on the Scottsdale side of, of the freeway. Um, so check that out. Pink Elephant. Um, I will probably try to go check them out myself at some point over, uh, over this month and see if I can't find a, a couple of records and, uh, and, and help an independent record store. So... In a couple of weeks, um, what is today? The eighth. So in exactly two weeks, actually, I'm going to be 37 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think that I mind getting older. There are some things that I am not particularly a fan of. I don't mind the fact that my hair is getting gray, um, or rather white, Cause apparently my hair does either black or white. There's no in between. There's no gray. Um, you know, I, there, there are some, some other, you know, various accompanying things that are not a uh, great. They're all body related. Go figure. Um, like, uh, I don't know. needing to trim your ears and shit. When the fuck did that happen? Um, generally i i guess most of them have to do with hair don't they um hair changing color hair growing in places it it didn't really used to before uh it not going growing in places you wish it would uh, or falling out of places you wish it wouldn't um i don't know but one thing is it's just i'm sure i'll get over it it's just a little irksome uh is the is the whole not being asked for my ID anymore which means that i actually look my age and that is a is a relatively new phenomenon um that just seems to really hit this year which of course it would hit this year in the year that all sort of uh i don't know blows to my confidence seem to have have coalesced and and uh or, or or i don't know the the Teamed up and decided to hit me at once. Um, there have been some great things too. This is—it's been just a really wild year. I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm not sad to see 36 go. I'm not sad to see 2019 go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking looking forward to the next year and what what it uh, has in store. And one of the things that that, uh, happened this year that was new was, um, uh, kind of to me out of the blue, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not out of the blue, but to me it, it seemed out of the blue. Uh, I was asked if I wanted to write a, a profile for, uh, for Java magazine. Uh, and the profile was on Ashley Harder, uh, the guest for today, um, and I've I've never, you know, I've I've been a writer as long as I could hold a pencil really, you know, but that was fiction, telling stories, um, writing stories, writing poetry, writing songs, and then not writing songs and then now starting to write songs again. Um and uh but I, I have you know, one of the, the dreams is really is is publication as a writer um and legitimacy thereby because you can be a writer uh that (laughs) you can say you're a writer as much as you want but really what proof is there unless you can say i've been published here here and here uh and I've, i've had i've had a couple of stories published and i've had poetry published in in journals uh uh over the years but um as far as sort of steady publication, that's still sort of been elusive. Um, and, uh, uh, so this was, this was really cool for me. My, my first, uh, article out of the gate, uh, was, was published, uh, very little editing was needed. You know, I compared the final, final, uh, article to my original and there wasn't, uh, wasn't much different so that felt good it got it right the first time uh and and uh and it also happened to be the uh the the cover piece so if you go and and pick up the december issue of java magazine um which you can find at coffee shops and and record stores and all sorts of places um bars i I grabbed my copies from bonus round, uh, which is, uh, you know, sure. I'll, I'll do a little plug for bonus round. It's my favorite, favorite bar to sit in and drink. And, uh, it's kind of like my cheers, I guess the people know me when I walk in. So (laughs) uh, I get to be norm there. Um, which I guess sort of says speaks to how often I've been there this year. Um but that aside, anyway, so yeah, check out bonus round. But if you pick up the December issue of Java magazine, um Ashley Harder is on the cover and I wrote the 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 article. So just shy of my thirty seventh birthday I have now entered the the world of, of freelance writing. Um, so, (laughs) yeah, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to be happy about that. I'm going to be proud of myself for that. I'm happy with the article. They asked me to continue writing for them. Um, it was cool that I could go ahead and combine recording for the podcast and, uh, and pull from, from that for the article. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting process. Um, and I had a great time talking to Ashley, by the way, I was not very familiar. Uh, well, I was, I will cop to not being at all familiar with what adaptive reuse is prior to speaking to Ashley. Um, and you know, it's, it's something that I would certainly advocate for as somebody who hates all of these, these new, Buildings that are going up in place of 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 uh, you know what was what was there before all this slick new stuff these high rises and all these expensive apartments and you know I was on this is this will be another digression but I swear it'll be the last one before we get to the interview here um I was I was over on Fifth Street off of Roosevelt uh, which is a street that I have been going to for a long time um many years at this point um back when lawn gnome was there and uh i was going there uh when i was first getting involved in the in the phoenix literary scene and um poetry scene in particular and going there for events and uh uh you know, I was at the I was at the Lost Leaf last night to see Ed Masley's band, The Breakup Society, which sounded great, by the way. Um, they have a new album coming out in January, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll reconnect with with Ed and and his band um, and and, uh, and talk about that that new record. Uh, but so that was cool. I had not gotten to see them live before. I've only listened to their their music on online. Uh, and they, they did, they sounded great. So if you get a chance check out the breakup society, anyway, I went out there, um, and you know, I'm not, I'm just, I don't ever pay a ton of attention to my surroundings. Um, when I'm just like walking around and, and whatnot, I, I usually just kind of get in my head and look at the ground. And, uh, and so I didn't even notice when I went over to the lost leaf that this building was there, but, um, you know, and I knew something was gonna happen eventually because all of the tenants that had been there for a long time were getting the uh priced out rent wise and having to having to leave or you know, relocate uh or just close up shop. Um and so across from the lost leaf, this whole section is fenced off and there's this new like glass and steel building. I've no idea what it's gonna be, but it's just like fuck, you know. Why do we have to, to to tear everything down, and you know, put some new structure in its place? And what, um, what adaptive reuse does? And Ashley's going to do a much better job of explaining it than I am right now. Is is not that? Um, it's it's taking what's there and repurposing it, really holding on to the, um, the, the main bones of it. Um, and trying to preserve as much of the historic quality of it as possible. Um, and that is something that I can get behind. But you can learn more about what that is um, and what Ashley does if you go to harderdevelopment.com um, and check out what uh, what her mission is and uh, view properties that she's already uh, uh, redone and uh what they they look like now and then also um get information on the project she's currently working on on uh which is the uh, multi-purpose um uh unit called cleo that is on the the uh, miracle mile um so check that out again that's com, and here is my conversation with ashley and I will just talk to you briefly on the other side with all of the stuff that I should have mentioned at the top of the show that I usually do. I'll mention it at the end.
1: So, this is, I mean, this place is lovely. Did you have anything to do with this place? Yes, definitely. Well, why don't we start there then? Because... I wish I'd come during the day. I'm sure I've walked past this place a lot. That was one of the first things when you gave me the address is that I'm like, I used to come over to Lolo all the time and spend time at that Peter Jungle. And of course, it's just down the road from... The Crescent, which I'm over at a lot. so mm-hmm. Oh, I love being able to park here mm-hmm. and then walk over to
2: Crescent. I'm going to miss that. So, yes, you're welcome to come back during the day. Okay. Um, and uh, until next week because mm-hmm. the property is selling, yeah. So I'm turning it over to the next owner. I've had this since uh, 2012, and I've sort of progressively restored and renovated it since then. So whenever it's I've had a vacancy with tenants, I've mm-hmm. come in and done a little bit of work done some, made some improvements and then leased it again. Gotcha. And, um, and then I also, um, yeah, when, when I first purchased this in 2012, you know, it's like the end of the recession and mm-hmm. it, this was also connected to the land that was to the South, which is now townhomes on third. Um, and, uh, sold that to Metro West and they developed the townhomes, which is excellent, but yeah, it's changed a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. I, I, you know, this is a, Long-standing uh, topic of conversation on the on the podcast is is because I used to come down here when there was almost nothing. There yep. was you know there was first Friday and there were some galleries around and I used to go see shows at Modified. Oh yeah. And but other than that, there was like I know nothing. they're celebrating.
2: They're having their twentieth year, I think, right mm-hmm. now. Is it the twentieth year? Anymore. They're doing it yeah. Well, they're doing a um an anniversary show. Okay. That I saw, and I'm not sure when it um it's sometime within the month. Gotcha. Um and I'm excited about it but I think that's like what Phoenicians love to do right is right. Like sit around and talk about old Phoenix. <laughs> it, it does it does make us all sound
1: it. like we're, you know, very nostalgic. Uh, back people. in my day, it was. It you
3: know, <laughs> <laughs> totally.
1: Back None in my of this day, was here, yeah. five
2: years ago, and and yeah, and you always have to quantify it by years, time, right. where you yeah. what your own age was, or if you're from here or not, and exactly, it's it's a great way to get to know people in general because you can just say, when did you move here?
1: Yeah, well, and that's you know, people people qualify that. Like there are some people I'll talk. To. I've lived here my family moved out here when I was 10. So I've lived here over 25 years and to some people they're like, well, your grandfather then is a native. And some people are like, no, you're still not. Oh, you're everyone not has an here. opinion, yeah. right? What yeah. makes
2: you a Phoenician? Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. Everyone has their opinions. I moved here. Uh, I came here for nine months when I was 18 years old and very randomly hadn't been to Arizona before. And, um, And it made an impression in those nine months. Made friends. Came back years later, Um, and so I have that perspective of you know roughly around twenty years, and uh, it's uh, it it was and I I would say for the first ten I would not you know I would not qualify myself as a Phoenician at all. But now that I've done enough work here, lived Mm -hmm. here, made it my home. Been here through all through a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. I now I'm like okay, it's my second home.
1: I mean, you're you're definitely very heavily into the fabric of the of local business and and um you know um considered planning and all that sort of thing. Which I I want to get into all that, but we might as well start at kind of what what brought you out here to begin with. If not for that nine month period, then for the long term,
2: y- you know. I- every time I'm asked that or want to talk to that similar to like a question I'll get is sort of what made you interested in adaptive reuse or why Mm -hmm. real estate or something. It's like I answer it 10 different ways, depending kind of on my mood. I mean, there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons as to, uh, as to why Arizona was appealing to me. Um, but I think, um, you know, I'm from Boston and so, I mean, it's just a completely different, culture, landscape, everything. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was really exciting um, when I first came out. And when something's so different, you are just even, I think, so much more hyper-aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. And it just creates a better connection to those surroundings because you're really like, I just, you know, it was, to me, it was, you know, Arizona was wacky and different Mm -hmm. and beautiful and young. And it's like completely like, you know like such such a dichotomy to boston you know where it's like older established and you know um certainly not nearly as
1: spread out either yeah (laughs)
2: exactly exactly like so much so Mm -hmm. much yeah i I remember driving in and just thinking you know the city is so like i just immediately being like
3: sprawl yeah you know the
2: city's so ugly like i think i i came down on the on the 17 and i stayed at like a motel six or something (laughs) at like Peoria next to like the Waffle House by Metro Center. And the people that I met were like, are you going to go to castles and coasters tomorrow? You know? And, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, and it just was, I was like, what did I do? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) What did I do?
1: Well, to, to sort of, to sort of speak to that there, there was not, um, much of a cultural epicenter at all. So you no. would you would have strip malls or malls, you know, for a long time we boasted, I think Fashion Square was the second largest mall in the United States or yeah. something, or had taken over from the Mall of America at some point, yep. I don't That's know. That's
2: another thing Phoenix likes, is, is the boasting.
1: <sighs> yeah. Um, and so there was that, there was, you know, there would be, you know, everything that it seemed like we were boasting about was not cultural, but consumer-based. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Certainly this notion and I've noticed a lot of it um driving back and forth between here and Tucson is that Tucson seems to love to hold on to its um you know, it's its architectural landmarks and culture and mm-hmm. and, and showcase that. Whereas we seem to be all about knocking it down and building yeah. The next thing.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing is, is, is I mean, there has always been culture mm-hmm. here within Phoenix. Like I came in, when I first came in, I, I definitely noticed it, it, that there was culture. It just wasn't maybe arts-based culture, right. community-based culture. The culture was consumerism, mm-hmm. right? And and some sprawl. But within it, there is still a lot of touch points that had some history or mm-hmm. culture, You know, I was downtown then, and I remember, you know, I remember seeing all these billboards for the Phoenix Symphony, right? And they were trying to advertise themselves as like this great date spot, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a great place to take your date, and it was like, you know, maybe billboards up on Camelback on your way over to
3: Scottsdale, sure,
2: you know, or, um, you know, it was it was still just sort of trying to figure itself out. They were still there, Mm -hmm. you know, you could still go, and they, you know, and there was still there was still. you know, community around arts and culture. Right. It was just, there wasn't that epicenter, like you said. There wasn't the, the for me, I didn't find, you know, I found smaller communities mm-hmm. that were um, engaging around it. And we didn't have like that culture of like coming together around yeah. our heritage of Arizona. I'm not as familiar with Tucson. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love going down there and I love that, that what they have done for preservation. And I've kind of been really Like lately, I've been enjoying just traveling all around Arizona and like Mm -hmm. getting getting interested in some of these smaller towns and the copper mining towns and getting beyond just sort of the Sedona, Flagstaff, Mm -hmm. you know, shuffle pace and shuffle. Like saying like, okay, let's go to Winslow or let's go to Superior and really Mm -hmm. check these like you know smaller spots out. Um, But but yeah, no, Phoenix. I mean, we we have always embraced our culture of construction. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, a building and some, things,
1: some yeah. Some freeways always going in some, some right, new building or other. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We've had to add the infrastructure and that's created jobs. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've had, um, you, you know, you know, our, you know, with Luke air force base mm-hmm. and, you know, all the contracts surrounding that. I mean, we've right. just always had this culture of building. And then, you know, when I came in in 2000 was when I first got here, I mean, it was, you know, still the, like the, the, it was one of the peaks of, you know, the subdivision and, right. you know, land plays and that went on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And the growth of ASU, I mean, we've just been, you know, build, build, build.
1: And it's been insane. Well, and it was all build out to, yep. um, you know, whether that was going Northwest or, you know, out into, into what uh, north of Glendale and all that kind of thing? And all sorts of places we don't even area. know like what they're called
2: yet. Yeah, but they're building there. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And that just seems, uh, not to get off on that whole thing, but it just seems like uh, absolutely antithetical to any sort of sustainable kind of. Oh, living, totally. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, definitely. But so you you came down and and you must have seen something because you stuck around despite the fact that you know um, the. the you know, uh, there was, there was. it seems kind of like, um, I mean, everything, even if you want to talk about, you know, certainly the the Phoenix you know, Art Museum has been around for a long time, the mm-hmm. Heard Museum, there's that, there's the, you know, if you wanted to go see all the turquoise and everything, you could go to downtown oh, Scottsdale. You oh, know. absolutely. I used to go over to the Biltmore
2: a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, yeah, and of course, yeah, going over to Old Town and going to, you know, Smoka and... Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what I, what I found and I think why I came back was it just, to me, it was this place of possibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've always felt this, I mean, it's, I guess it's just more personal, like as in, you know, I've always felt this sort of creative energy in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it also was a place that was allowing me to be independent, you know, being in from Boston, it's very um it's an expensive place to live it's a competitive place Mm -hmm. it's a place where people are very degreed i didn't go to college so you know i i felt sort of i was already sort of out of the running in certain and and people are very focused and on a track and i wanted that sort of you know i wanted to take a different path and explore and it's a um, much different pace and yeah and there was casual here and And new and, you know, once and, and, and I was, I just had a lot of fun, you know, and I found those smaller communities. So I I think also the people made it worthwhile as well as, um, you know as i but i started to really appreciate certain spaces like just even like you're saying like being able to go to modified and being mm-hmm. able to walk around roosevelt and like just kind of check out what's going on at night and right. you know you kind of felt like you own the city and that's a really empowering kind of feeling when you're young and I just wanted to stay around for that (laughs) and um, and then when I really started to develop what my interests were and where I wanted to go as far as work and lifestyle I recognized oh my gosh I can do it here (laughs) it was almost like you know this sort of backwards way of like you know it kind of um i was experiencing all the opportunities that were at play and then you know i i started you know developing my interest towards them and then you know i was able to
1: parlay that well and that's i mean one of the reasons that i thought um It might not have been the initial impetus for this podcast. The initial impetus was because I had an opportunity to do some programming and I wanted to do sort of um, a uh, craft series like uh, for writers and things that was not out of ASU. Because it was not really accessible unless you were going to go to campus and and sit in an auditorium and listen. Yeah, look at
2: this. I mean, you're here tonight. And we're like in Roosevelt getting to podcast and this i don't think this has ever had a podcast in this well, home fantastic. this is yeah this is a pre-statehood house and it's the first <laughs> podcast <laughs> which is probably
1: why the mexican radio station is trying to get absolutely into the, uh, uh into the recording But um, people are going to hear me talk about this, and it's not going to be anywhere on the podcast, and they're going to think I'm insane. But that's, um, if they've been listening to the show long enough, then they already think so. (laughs) So, um, but one of the byproducts of that initially was, it was just for writers, and then I started branching out into some other things, and it led to meeting, you know, uh, people who I would have, especially musicians... um, and some writers as well, who I was finding were all coming from the same areas, whether that was the Coronado district right. or, or Roosevelt here, or, um, you know, finding that there, there was really not only a lot more, you know, a lot that I just didn't know about that I was getting kind of a peek into, but also, um, that there's so much, uh, kind of cross pollination of different, yeah. you know, artistic leanings and all that. kind
2: Yeah. Of that. It's, and yeah, and that's, sort of what led me into even development in general is I it's, it's part of the ecosystem of creativity, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a different application. It's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, there's elements of it that are not creative at all mm-hmm. and are very formulaic and very, you know, very much driven in business and, uh, and finance, all of that. But it's also gives this huge opportunity to be creative. Right. And, um, and I can see, you know, where there's uh, you know, there's that, those relationships, you know, between, you know, artists taking care of, you know, historic properties in these neighborhoods, or putting their businesses in, you know, unique properties, and being caretakers of mm-hmm. the spaces, and creating these little communities that are now really kind of big, yeah. Too, I mean, you know, I mean, all these areas, I mean, it's, it's, you well, know, there's was, there's little epicenters everywhere now, right? Yeah,
1: that was one of the the great things about being able to walk down like Fifth Street. And have uh, these little boutique shops that were right out of the homes there, or Lawn Gnome over there before that closed down. Um, <laughs> and you know, un- unfortunately, it just it seems like. Um, well, you know, we'll hold off on that for a moment because that actually leads to some some other questions about specifically what you do. But mm-hmm. so, what is that? What is that kind of journey leading up to you starting? Your business harder development in 2011. So that's like a decade between you getting here and then establishing. <laughs> yeah. That. Um. I'll,
2: like if you know a lot of like it's like like one of those crazy straws. <laughs> that's like my journey <laughs> gets, yeah, to it. Sure. Um. It was you know for me it was uh, well I mean I. Um, was similar to other people during the recession, where I had lost my job. Mm. <laughs> I had lost my job. Uh, I mean, I, it, just like I said, I answer this differently every every time. Mm. But um, the, I was working for a medical practice, and they um, sold the practice, and they, you know, were were changing things around because of the recession, and and I really had to have that hard look of what is that next step. Mm-hmm. And when I took that look, I really kind of. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself um, to figure it out. I was also kind of getting near thirty, and I want—I had that all that, those pressures of like, let's just figure it out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's not have any more false starts. Let's. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I have some really great like um, models in my, and and um, of. Uh, people working in real estate and people being entrepreneurial in my life. So, you know, particularly in my family. So my sister has, um, created her own business in real estate back in Boston. And it's mm. very much tailored to her, um, to, to her, uh, interests, you know, her aesthetics, the way she wants to be running a business, the people she wants to work with. And I loved seeing how, um, she was really t- able to create this whole like lifestyle around her very particular interests, Um, But I don't even know if it was that like, oh, I I could emulate something or I don't think it really was. I think it really was like a a desire to, I mean, I remember it being kind of like a desire to um, participate in the small business group the, the growth of more small businesses that I was seeing in the, in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I, I wanted to participate in a way, but I didn't want to actually run a business. Hmm. And so I, um, I mean it, 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 and, and so I had this idea of, um, purchasing a building, renovating it for smaller spaces. Cause everyone was downsizing. Mm-hmm. No, every people wanted to step away from the sprawl. People wanted to work in their neighborhood. So I said, well, if I could do these smaller suites, mm-hmm you know, maybe I could rent them out and that maybe if it didn't work, I could run a business out of there, but I have no idea what it's going to be, but I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. So, I mean, it's just so it's, it's, I mean, I, there's 10 different ways I could describe, uh, uh, all the, that I could describe sort of how I got to starting a development business, Mm -hmm. but it was very sort of backwards and odd. And I don't know if it was always intentional. And then, um, it really, but then when it when it when I started kind of making decisions that were leading me into the business, I recognized it was like this sort of full circle moment. Like, oh, that interest I've always had here, mm. you know. Um, you know, I was an esthetician, so I was doing like aesthetic work before, and having this interest in the surface right and Mm -hmm. so now I'm like now I'm doing all this facade work and you know it was just all these things all these little things I'd always had this interest in art and then it was like how can I work with artists to craft things for my properties and Mm -hmm. it was just it all of a sudden I went oh like all these little interests that didn't come together have this nice little touch point all right here Mm -hmm. in this work and so and then it just grew and then it was like
1: oh yeah I love this I don't want to do anything else (laughs) So it sounds like, I mean, it's the the, the, the you're, you're you're coming up on having this this business for for ten years, and it seems <laughs> like you kind of like. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's kind of a big leap to like to having some sort of amorphous idea of what you want to do, and then narrowing it down to something that's very specific like that.
2: Yeah, you know, and and really, I remember at the time it was. Um, let's try to do one thing that was small. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) this is so funny. I was like, it's small and low risk. And it's going to be easy. Like, just, just totally naive. Like, you don't go into it knowing the full work of it. Uh, knowing the, you know, the, the, um, because it's risky and it's, it's difficult, it's challenging. So you you just, you go in blind. It's like people doing a home renovation. Like if you knew how stressful it would be and how you're going to be broke at the end of it, why would you do it? You Mm -hmm. know, you just think it's gonna, you know, and then what you get versus what you think you were going to get in the beginning might be a little different. Right. Um, and well,
1: at so, well, the time that you're you know, considering doing that, though, Phoenix was one of the hardest or the city's hardest hit by that recession mm-hmm. because it was such, you know, stemming from that focus on consumerism. Oh, it yeah. was everything was about building out. Um, and so much of that. Yeah, was, we
2: couldn't do that anymore. We had yeah. to completely, you know, change. Um, focus and i mean i, I don't i think that they have picked up some of those you know we've picked up some of those similar beats now where yeah. we're like ooh wait we know how to build we're good at this let's keep going and so that's happening again that's but it's kind
1: of like that yeah. you know history repeating itself thing where it's like you know wait did you not kind right. of learn right but a it is different
2: than it was yeah. and i think you know starting during the recession it really was it was such an education because i i really came into the business learning about you know you know how 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 grossly affected was somebody by the recession and how mm-hmm. difficult was it i mean people were losing their properties their investments right. they were you know partnerships were failing they were you know the personal loss that goes along with it when Mm -hmm. you invest in real estate you know it was just these horror stories and it made me very conservative and so even when the the in in my approach Mm -hmm. because i was just i you know i was looking at properties that people were losing and that was you know that really created this effect but you know so i even when the the market sort of shifted back i still i think had this sort of conservative approach because i hadn't been through a full cycle mm-hmm. a full real estate cycle to really understand um the cycle and that, no, no, you should be investing as, as the market's improving itself, right. you know? And like, so it took me a few years to kind of, I, I called it recession brained, mm. you know, I was like kind of a little traumatized from the experience <laughs> of seeing, you know, people be so hurt right. by, by it. Um, but there was enough going on in the neighborhood that I was investing into to indicate that there would be growth. I mean, we were bringing ASU downtown, mm-hmm. we were building the light rail, um, you know, people were, the residential real estate was desirable. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I was right on McDowell between Willow and Roosevelt and there were other developers, large development groups, um, that were speculating on doing, you know, retail centers and everything mm-hmm. like that. What was it? That seventh and McDowell seventh, uh, Avenue and McDowell. Yeah. All those projects were getting put in the pipeline. They hadn't been built yet. So there was just enough where I was like, "Let's try this one small thing, and if it doesn't work, it'll just be another false start." <laughs> and you, you know, and and yeah.
1: Well, how, so how much of that it was factored into your kind of decision making about that? Because there was definitely a, a long period of time where it was very much a, you know, there certainly a number of years anyway where it definitely was a buyer's market. Yes, um, it's 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 certainly going. You know, if it hasn't tipped yet, it's definitely going oh, it's, back the other direction. It's tipped, yeah. yeah,
2: it's tipped, and I I miss those days. I <laughs> wish, you know, I look back, and uh, you, I mean, you can't look back. Um, right. You know, I've learned def- a lot of lessons going through it, and I and I and I recognize that just during that time when it was a buyer's market, I just didn't have the confidence or the experience or even the wherewithal of the capital
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, to to be a real buyer. You know, I wish that I'd been prepared and knew what I knew now, I would have gone back and I would have gotten all sorts of properties. I mean, I still, when I drive around or walk around, I'll, I still look at everything and mm-hmm. what it costs during the recession because I looked at everything. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, what it costs then. And I'll go, oh, and then when you know when Phoenix Business Journal will uh, announce, you know, big sales in mm-hmm. the area and I'll go, Oh my gosh. You know, cause I know <laughs> that gain right there. And those, those headlines hurt. Mm. <laughs> it's all this missed opportunity, but you know, it's, it's, it's all learning experience. right? You
1: know? you well, so what was, what was that first project then?
2: Uh, the first project was three, three, five okay. West McDowell. And I still have it. Mm-hmm. The first tenant I ever got is still there. And, um, I, yeah, it was small. I mean, it was a, when I purchased it, it was being used as a, uh, like a retail shop, mm. um, by, uh, somebody who did salvage antiques okay. and, um, and it had been banked owned previously. So it was kind of just funky cause it had had like a like you know, it, 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 just been a little funky, um, that it had been renovated prior to it being being bank owned the bank, renovated it hmm. and then this person that was interested in salvage you know materials then went in and fixturized it with their thing with their you know stuff so it was just hmm. a little odd but um it was 3000 square feet
3: hmm.
2: on a 10000 square foot lot in 2010 hmm. right yeah so it was like it was like you know and it was it was it was like uh, the you know like purchasing a, your a home, mm-hmm. right? A small home at the time. It wasn't like now where, you know, the values are just, you know, up
1: there. Insane, yeah. Yeah, they're up there.
2: <laughs> and so uh, so yeah, so um I was like but it also it was be it was listed for the use, it was listed as an office. Mm. It had been used as many things, but that was also right when the downtown code was published. Okay. And it falls under the downtown code. And so Um,
1: And what is that? Just in case anybody doesn't know, including myself. Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, so it's zoning. So it's how the city the city has a plan of Mm -hmm. how they um, uh, want properties to be used based on infrastructure and much and a lot of planning. You Mm -hmm. know, it's um, you know cross um, programs. And so yeah, so it's uh, and so the downtown code is was written specifically. To govern, uh, it's, it's a rough border, but it's mainly um, McDowell to like, I would say maybe Madison, okay. maybe, and maybe 5th, 7th a- Street to 7th Avenue, but it's a rough border, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it's a more urban code. Um, but it, there's also a lot of problems in it, too. Um, and uh, so similar to, like, you know, if you have something zoned residential, you can mm-hmm. live in it. If it's commercial, you can have a business. If it's industrial, you can, you know, uh, use, you know, industrial equipment in it. Things Manufacturing like that. Yeah.
1: and so forth. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, that, um, that kind of leads me to what I was uh, wanting to get at before, which is... Um, what, you know, as, as you get your, your first spot there and, you know, sort of decide what you're going to do with it, what to you, um, spoke to the idea of doing adaptive reuse rather than what other things that seem to happen, which are total teardowns and then like building on the lot.
2: Yeah. Well, at the time it was more, um, it was more economical to, mm-hmm. to adaptively reuse the property mm-hmm. um, and um, based on the condition I found it. Okay. So it made more sense to just to renovate it and go through the the process of changing the use with the city mm. um, than it did to, to tear it down. Um, and it had some historic character to it as well. I mean, there's um, some interesting aspects to the actual build itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, So, yeah. So, I I mean, I never thought of tearing it down. Uh, I never, you know, and, and, you know, infill and building new construction is very interesting to me, but it's something that it's like its own its own animal Mm -hmm. and um to me i really liked when i was starting out that it was like well you have a structure and it provides all of these metrics Mm -hmm. that you then can plug in and figure out what you're going to do whereas new build it was like well what's the cost of new construction do i do it it was it just seemed a little bit easier to just kind of go in and say okay well we know that we need new air conditioners Mm -hmm. let's talk about the ducting instead of like do I have to frame the ducting in first, or mm. what? What goes first? You know, and it, it just was an easier place to start.
1: And what um, are, are so as you're you're looking at a place though? Can you kind of? I mean, one of the things. One of the, I think the the great things about being in really, you know, I guess you could say this kind of part of Phoenix area where it's it's downtown here, even a little further north up by yeah, by Camelback and Central, the right. kind of uptown yeah. area, all that. Is that you can walk down a street and have every home look completely architecturally unique. And there's, yeah. you know, that's this appeal to you know that's that to the sort of mindset that I have looking at a subdivision where every Thing oh, yeah. looks exactly the same. Oh,
2: that's a complete, there's a complete appeal
1: there for yeah. me. Yeah.
2: I didn't want to work anywhere else. Yeah.
1: And well, and the thing is that, you know, these homes are kind of like old to, you know, old to Phoenix is like the 20s. It's not that old. I know. You know? I know. Uh, especially where you come from. Exactly. That's all like, right. You know, colonial stuff. And oh and gosh. Whatnot. Yeah. So I mean,
2: we're the, the birthplace of America. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> now, so it was, I mean, was that part, po- part of the appeal of doing that though to kind of preserve whatever Uniqueness was to the oh, neighborhood absolutely. Oh, absolutely yeah. oh yeah
2: absolutely I mean it, it it was for me it was also i mean it's so it's a lifestyle choice, mm-hmm. right it's I wanted to work where I live, and I wanted to live here because of I wanted to live in the downtown area because of the character of the historic neighborhoods mm-hmm. and because of sort of the cultural center of it of being by the museums and the organizations being by the capital to me that like read okay, I'm at my urban core that's where I want to be mm-hmm. um, and then wanting to work on the properties and improve properties you know um also you know there's uh is is part of that lifestyle right i want to be here i want to take care of what's around me i Mm -hmm. want to uh, make things a little bit better Um, and then there's the you know the additional aspect which is you know there's the need i mean there's a need you know when people were losing properties or just during the recession in general it was you know we were coming out from this area still having been a blighted area and neighborhood i mean mm-hmm. and i wasn't even a part of of those sort of decades that these historic neighborhoods can talk about um yeah. about where you know they talk about you know those crack houses and yeah there's a long know, time and, where you wouldn't
1: come down here after dark yeah and yeah. i love those or stories
2: i guess some contractors that know you know we're working down here in those days or people that were working at the city those days and mm-hmm. you know it's it's not what we you know, know it all and it's an interesting history but the the properties needed the work mm-hmm. so it was like there's an opportunity to go in and do it um and the you know real estate model was still not turned towards infill or adaptive reuse either so mm-hmm. there wasn't as many people willing to to get into that type of work investment, So um, people, you know, I remember talking to people sort of in the brokerage community and I'd say, well, I'm looking at stuff downtown and Mm -hmm. they'd be like, what are you talking about? Let (laughs) "Let me show you this. Let me show you this little fourplex over in Peoria. You know, it's really going to take off, you Mm -hmm. know, that's just.
1: Well, it's interesting. It's it's people that are in what I'm going to assume is our general age range. Yeah. We're definitely fleeing that kind of, you know, out there on the outskirts, every you know area is subdivision strip mall school, kind of planned community sort of thing, and moving into this area um where mm-hmm. you could you could at least have some sort of semblance of something uh approaching a city lifestyle or right. you know of of being able to, you know, walk across the street to grab a cup of coffee or to, you right. know, be able to just walk in general, not necessarily yeah. always. Just to have enjoy to have our weather car.
2: and actually be outside and walk. Yeah, yeah, for
1: you know, the three weeks that it's amazing. Yeah. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> those are my favorite three weeks. Yeah,
1: that's that's yeah, exactly. That's why the traffic gets bad for that period of time. Yeah. Um but you know, so I'm curious you have uh you have three projects that are that are listed on your company's site, which are the three three five Commons, mm-hmm. um, Campbell House yep. and the Carline Center. Right, right. Um and can you kind of speak to how you uh came to acquire each of those successively and what your kind of process is with, you know, are you are you touring these places and kind of seeing is it a like cost benefit kind of analysis? Sort of yeah, thing too, yeah.
2: Of it's that? it's it's really weighing it out. I mean, I've looked at a lot of different projects, and there's ones that, you know I wish I've I wish I could have done more. Mm. You know, but I um, uh, have. I spend a lot of time looking at potential projects mm. and um, doing, and and you look at all the. The um, I mean, it's 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 you're just constantly performing due diligence on these properties and looking at um, the I mean, you're you're looking at the integrity of of the property, you're looking at the zoning, you're Mm -hmm. looking at the costs, you're looking at what's necessary to get it to be code compliant, Mm -hmm. you're looking at um, the feasibility you know the feasibility is number one. You're always looking at the feasibility of a project. Mm-hmm. So, what is the market like? Um, and uh, so the, the the projects that I chose, it's interesting. I've learned more about what type of projects I want to do through moving through different types of projects. So, mm-hmm. you know, my hope would be that in the that I can be more, um, you know, where where I can. Be a little bit more streamlined in in going after the projects that I specifically want to be working on, mm. um, where it was you know each one 's been very different, um, but you know essentially, I mean I was buying projects that were sort of passed over and mm. had a low barrier of entry as well you know I mean the projects that i 've taken on um have been manageable where i've been able to do them with my own resources and not need to bring in other development partners um mm-hmm though i mean it's always a team that makes these things happen you know and your bank and is a, is a team member but not have to bring in other development partners so i could still stay small and, mm-hmm. and manage it myself so you know so it's all all of these factors you know you're just constantly weighing them all out and and then looking of course at all the intrinsic values of the neighborhood the community the desire to see a space mm-hmm. you know um uh, improved and, you know, put on the market for rent. And, you know, so um, constantly evaluating all of that.
1: <laughs> well, and have you found that in the years since you started harder development, is that, um, which, uh, you know, just <laughs> the, your your last name just lends itself to... <laughs> so yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's perfect. I don't but. know if
2: I'd do that again, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gifted myself... <laughs> with yeah, with the the prophetic name of harder mm-hmm. development. You yeah. Could have this like, really harder is... development.
1: It ain't easy. Um, no, so... <laughs>
2: oh gosh, don't you think I've been there. I'm like <laughs> I yeah, I would do like a rebrand campaign all around that every year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but do you find in the in the years since you started this, has there been a growing interest as as people gradually um you know give into the um you know, the, the inevitability of the statistics and science of, of uh, our global impact, has there been more of an interest in adaptive reuse, maintaining what we already have rather than tearing down and starting over? Yeah, yeah oh, definitely. I, I don't know if the,
2: I don't know if I, I think that, I think there's a small, Percentage of of people that are going into adaptive reuse because of the sustainability mm-hmm. piece of it, like as far as sort of the value of, um, I, I I think that it's the the general market conditions make mm-hmm. it more appealing, which is we you know we want to be in certain neighborhoods. Certain neighborhoods have more value. People want to use what exists there to you know to place their businesses or you know do real you know work within real estate in those those neighborhoods where they go in and adaptively reuse versus build mm-hmm. um, i think you know adaptive reuse can be really like can be difficult around sustainability as well yes you want to use mm-hmm. what you have and make it and and improve upon what you have and not but i mean you're also uh, you know, it's, it becomes a value of what, what's the existing sort of building value piece. Cause I mean, there's so much, there's so much waste right. in construction in general. Mm-hmm. So, and when you move a project a property through an adaptive reuse process, you know, even if things are usable, you might technically not be able to use it because you have to be able to get to a place where your code compliant so you can get that sure. certificate of occupancy.
0: Gotcha. So
2: there's elements of it that aren't sustainable and, um, aren't pretty. I, I, you know, I think, you know, the construction industry and the waste that we create is, is mind boggling. And it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's kind like of clo- like clothes culture where mm-hmm. it's sort of like it's great to go to a thrift store, but, you know, it's, an, it's great to go to a thrift store to buy inexpensive clothes at, you know, a Target. But mm-hmm. it's like when we see it as disposable, that right. whole culture around it um, is not sustainable. Right. So, you know, it's like, you know, thrift stores aren't going to end, end the problem. So adaptive reuse isn't going to end sort of the, the burdens that the planet takes with, with uh, construction.
1: But also, in the time that you've been doing this, have you sort of seen ways that that can be improved upon as well?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think for me, it's been um, it's it's something that you have to kind of you, you, you have to compromise on it because mm-hmm. you want to get these projects done sure. And you know what becomes the most affordable solution is the most readily accessible solution and the readily you know um, um, sort of the uh, approved. Um, building methods so Mm -hmm. you know if you want to so right now you know different sustain you know using different materials that maybe are more sustainable Mm -hmm. you know they may be harder to source they may be harder to uh, install or to you know find people that are skilled in installing them sure. you know then getting the city to sign off on it as an approve you know as a as an acceptable product to put mm. in a commercial public space you know it's yeah you know there's those so it becomes more difficult so it's sort of like you know i, I got this building that i'm working on now on mcdowell and you know a, a lot of people will like talk to me about different sustainability things that I could do in, in the build and mm-hmm. you know trying to be helpful and saying like are you going to put it in shade trees or can you do solar and it's like well unfortunately like you know with solar you mm-hmm. know that you know one you know this is a building that can't even have a AC mounted on the roof because it wasn't built for that uh-huh. so you have to structurally support it and then it's also you know the time to engineer that, and then this, all the soft costs of getting the city to accept it and a p s to accept it right take a project you know in that in that particular neighborhood and make it just not feasible you well, know that so seems it's like insane so, to me. so you it's not even an option, which can be frustrating, yeah, I
1: mean it seems that there's there's just this kind of you know slow you know kind of like Leviathan pace where. Um, there's the recognition on a you know on an intellectual level even yep. that that this all needs to be done, but the corporate you know right. or the the policy exactly there's a policy and the piece and the politics
2: yeah. around it. Yep, that keep it at this glacial pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun, right? It's right. like. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's frustrating. I mean, there are people that are doing it and doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. I went last week to a um, seminar that was put on by, well, multiple groups came together, but uh, sustainability advisors with ASU Stardust Foundation. Mm-hmm. It was a, they got a grant from Energy Star and they did a um, a seminar on uh, sustainability around small scale development. And there were a lot of people that are doing really cool mm-hmm. builds and most of them are on the smaller scale, and they're more um and they you know they've been able to pair themselves with partners where they're not on sort of that traditional market where you know where they're you know where they maybe they're working with a community bank mm-hmm. um or they're working with where they're able to partner in with um uh with the with cities or municipalities to kind of cover that gap mm-hmm. of doing something really different and unique with being able to also get something onto the market and make it feasible so Mm. they get the right partner in place. And, and I mean, I think it's, um, I get really inspired when I see people doing interesting projects like that and pushing the envelope. And I'm always thinking, okay, go do it. And then report back to us, (laughs) like help me figure out a better way. (laughs) Well, yeah,
1: somebody has got to do it. And then it has to be, you have to go through the whole process of, as you were saying, kind of making it something that, is doable in right, yeah. a larger scale. Not only
2: do you have to pioneer yeah. it, but then you have to engineer it to right. be successful. Right. And, you know, with what the projects I do is every building is different. And mm. so you have to apply different building methods to each building. So you don't really become a you kind of become like a, the you don't become a pro on on um all the methods. You just know a little bit about all of them. You're having right. To approach each one. Right. And you have to move through the projects quickly too to make them come together.
1: Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I I do want to touch on it real quickly just because it's something that has, you know, sort of eaten at me for, since I I started seeing the prevalence of it, um, is that do you, you know, the stretch of town that I live in, I can go down 16th street and drive past, you know, just rows and rows of all these, these high rise developments, um, luxury Mm -hmm. apartments and all that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And, you know, a few have gone in down here on Roosevelt, too, pricing oh, yeah, out artists and that. all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we got a few Had of them. Yeah, cool. um, but... You know, there there are some intriguing things. Like I like the concept of having this, you know, you live and then also have like a, a kind of third space down on the bottom, you know, where you can eat and drink and socialize and all that, you know, and yeah. there can be retail in there, too. I, I get that. There's something intriguing about that. But it seems to be at the cost of something else, too. And, oh, and yeah. again, it's not something that that most people can afford and it seems to be everywhere though oh yeah yeah i mean so, i mean yeah. are you seeing this kind of like oversaturation of it do you see a sort of bubble bursting in that market well Anything? i think it's a really it's a really complex
2: you know, it, you know, issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're talking about sort of the the rise of on like not affordable housing, yeah, <laughs> mainly not affordable housing in our downtown core mm-hmm. and in like the metro area. It's, I mean, it's a major problem. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into sort of why we're here now. Um. But um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not affordable, mm-hmm. and um, it there. Ask me again. <laughs> oh, this kind I'm of like, like it's so complex that my wi- like all the wires just cross, and they're like, <laughs> like There was a lot in there. I
1: just yeah. vomited all of that out. I'm
2: like a gentrification and affordable housing
1: go. <laughs> so yeah, we, and the the idea that so I mean it seems certainly. Let's just take that that you know development on Roosevelt as as an example. The, the all of the things that drew people to that area, the people that. Yeah. doing things that drew drew people to Yeah, I can't afford the product
2: that's being built. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: it's I so I mean, what kind of I don't know, from from your perspective of doing of of working within the confines of something that is already there um as uh you know, in an, in areas where, you know, there are there, you know, people there's there's still, you know, a lot of people around um you know luckily because they've just held on to what they had but yeah you know, and that's not an easy
2: road too no. to hold on when when there's forces at work around you in your neighborhood or in mm-hmm. your community and you know whether you're a business owner or a homeowner or you know just a resident you know it's 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 hard to kind of hold on as well mm-hmm. um i mean even so i mean one of the one of the factors of wanting to you know sell this particular property that i cherish and love mm-hmm. is you know, I mean, the, the, the taxes are so high on it. It's oh, a yeah. difficult place to, you know, I mean, I'm getting all these valuations off of all these new builds mm-hmm. and they're cha- constantly changing the, you know, the um, they're doing, you know, reassessing these neighborhoods as they change and I'm, you know, still just 3,000 square feet, you know, historic <laughs> property. It's trying to, you know, shoulder all of that, that burden. So, yeah. um, but they, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's, uh, you know, people can't afford what's being built in mm-hmm. the neighborhoods. And uh, we we do, I mean, we need housing, right? Mm-hmm. We're still growing as a city. We have new people moving here. We're growing. We need housing. At first, it, it, you know, it would seem that it's just um, this infill of luxury um or you know inaccessible housing is mm-hmm. really just what we always saw on the outskirts but now it's happening in our core right and in areas of of the valley that now have value by all these other factors like you know light rail and mm-hmm. asu and and you know um accessibility to downtown more businesses locating in downtown you know more but um You know, but then it's it's it's, so we need the units, but but we need diversified units. You know, we need we need you know affordable units, and we need expensive units, and we need we need. There there needs to be yeah, it's very difficult to build.
1: It's just it's it seems that you know again one of the things that that a you know a top five city needs is an arts scene. Oh yeah maintain any sort of interest in it and and the fact that you, you know so there you know eventually it's just gonna i don't know i'm gonna get off my my rant on oh gosh that no this
2: it's it's i mean i think this is a really con, what you're talking to right now mm-hmm. which is just the shift the uh, another shift in culture mm-hmm. and it kind of can seem in my my sense like you know we, we were there was there's a consensus that's grown around the arts Mm -hmm. that's that are of, of people that are showing up and creatives that are kind of aligning themselves with one another with different institutions. And then, and it all kind of takes place in this downtown area within Phoenix. I mean, there's, there's centers all over, you know, there's, you know, Mesa has a, you know, really great arts organizations there and Tempe and such, but here in Phoenix, you know, we've kind of get it and then it's threatened because there's so much development and growth that it's kind Mm. of getting pushed and, you know, but, um, but there is definitely a scene. It just is moving, you know, and and people move. I mean, that's part of the growth. Right. And to me, it's, 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 you know, just let's keep finding ways of promoting what we want in our neighborhoods where we can and pushing back as best you can. That's interesting. It's, Um, It's
1: like, it's a manifestation basically of, the planned communities, but it's like, we'll you know, under the guise of, exactly.
2: Yeah. They're just, just vertical. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's like banks will fund it, yeah. uh, the build of it. So mm-hmm. that's what you get. You know, it's like, just like all the land work that was done in the eighties, you know, right, to right. be able to have the subdivisions. It's like, you know, you could speculate on it. You could do it. You can yeah. make your money. And so, so, yeah, there's still, I mean, there's, there's still quality projects or just, mm-hmm. you know, fewer and farther between. And, yeah. you know, I, I specifically didn't look in certain neighborhoods, though, when I was really looking at sort of, okay, where do I want to be, you know, working on properties and such. Like, I didn't look in that Evans-Churchill neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I had a small office there for a while, a small little gallery, and there were definitely availability. But I knew just because of the zoning and the way that these that the, this um, – way that cities tend to grow um mm-hmm. based on zoning and policy and you know just location in general you know i knew that it was kind of gonna like it, it was gonna be fulfilling the storyline that it's fulfilling now right. and i could kind of see that coming and i and it just it was going to be harder to invest into that you know to stay in that area in a mm-hmm. small little space Um, And do that work. And so I I think it's really important to kind of look at, you know, what are the policies that are affecting the different neighborhoods Mm. that you're living in, that you're working in, and, and, you know, how is that going to, you know, what's a representation of the stakeholders in those neighborhoods? And that's going to give you a good idea of what's going to happen or where it's going to go, Right you know, yeah. is there an interest, like, you know, right now working over on McDowell in the sort of now newly branded historic Miracle Mile, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they this conversation, we're having this conversation quite a bit, which is, you know, how do you maintain historic businesses that are, have been right. there? How do you maintain residents, but how do you also improve neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. And improve properties that need to be improved so they can be used, right? right? Like we have like buildings that, Actually, you know you need a new roof, you need to be able to afford the new roof well how do you how do you do that without pushing people out right you know for somebody that can pay a higher rent
1: yeah mm-hmm. i I guess it's that striking that balance you know between somebody who sees a way to make a shit ton of money versus right. you know let's let 's go ahead and actually reinvest and and maybe i don't know work with what we have i want to make sure to come back to the gallery thing um but i do want to uh ask in that kind of vein of um this taking you know organizations coming together and kind of taking the larger view of things you're a member of the local first arizona uh forum i am yeah can you talk about that a little bit what that is and what you guys do yeah, um
2: it's it's a uh it's a new group, it's a new initiative um under Local First mm-hmm. and it is specifically geared to creating um uh, a, a network or an, a, an alliance within the design and development community mm-hmm. um, and really just taking those local first values of um, more you know uh, local business to business interactions, keeping your dollar you know making sure that w- how you operate your business and manage your business is that you're choosing local mm-hmm. over you know regional national. Um, and so it's it's really that ethos, but applied to the design and development community, mm-hmm. um, and um, and it's a it's a it's as I said, it's a newer program. So we we've been um, kind of uh, trying out programming. There's been we've had different types of programming, different types of way of interacting with membership or building membership. Mm-hmm. But there is an existing community of um, of of. Uh, w- Uh, of builders and professionals that have this, um, that share in the mission, which is really just um, to promote quality, context sensitive and sustainable development. Right now it's okay. It's around the TOD, right? So Mm -hmm. it's around Phoenix and Tempe and Mesa, but that could grow, right? right? So we're, we're trying out how do we engage um, because um, local first is, is very successful here in engaging this you know the business community and creating great you know a, a great network for the business community. So how can we engage you know people within the design and development community to to engage in similar ways? So um, I've really you know enjoyed uh, meeting, others you know sometimes this work can be a little bit of lonely work you Mm -hmm. know it's 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 um you it's a lot it takes a lot of time it's a lot of working within your small network of you know people you bring together for a project Mm -hmm. and it doesn't leave much time to really get out there and so there's a lot of organizations that um that are aimed at some of like larger aspects of being within real estate. You know, with its design, it's you know, our you know, uh, organizations focused on architecture, organizations focused on on uh, real estate that are going to talk about what you know, market forecasts and all mm. that kind of stuff. But this is great because it's you know, it's people that are doing design development and have a little heart mm. and or are very entrepreneurial, have created unique businesses around it. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a great network, um, and we're, you know, growing it. So, you know, it's nice. It's been fun to meet new people and get that kind of inspiration. Like, Oh, you do, you do, you know, Oh, you, you're doing small scale, like modular homes and, mm. you know, in, in Tempe. Awesome. Like, tell me all about that, you know? And so yeah, a place where you can kind of go and geek out with others and, <laughs> and share. I mean, there's definitely been some people have within the group. We've been like, it's almost like therapy when we get together. Cause you know, we're just sort of all sharing in that. We have these shared experiences mm. that, um, that you don't, you know, really know. I mean, I can't go out to dinner with my friends and talk to them about, you know, my problems, getting you know a project through the city and my permitting issues or you know or like you know how you know APS can be a pain in the mm-hmm. pain to deal with so mm-hmm. it's like it's great to be able to find others
1: that are doing this work that's funny yeah. I found I've, we've been uh, members of local first for a couple of years now awesome. and um it's, I feel like I, I need a little bit of that for you know anytime I go to one of those get-togethers it's a, oh what do you do like well okay we we do arts and culture podcasts and publishing no we don't have a physical retail space no so it's like yeah so mm-hmm. you run into this thing where it's like people don't know exactly what to make of you or how to talk to you exactly I so, always
2: felt you know, that way being yeah. in development I mean I so I've been a part of the co-working space cahoots yeah. for many years and so I someone would ask me maybe in the break room in the kitchen you know like oh what do you do and I'd be like I'm a developer and they'd be like what, what platform do you use? You know, (laughs) I'd be like, I actually, yeah, I'm like for as much time as I spend in Cahoots, I don't, I definitely don't know anything about any of that. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, just finding that people that understand that and, and development work can be very creative. You're constantly, you know, you're constantly coming up with creative solutions. Mm -hmm. So just finding others and having that resource sharing is so nice. Um, but I felt that same way when I would go to local first stuff, I'd be like, um, maybe I'll use your printing services or, you know, like when I go to print or yes, I'm going to try to bank local and, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I didn't really find that sort of like, how can I do business to business where now I'm like, Oh, well, you know, like I'm going to get, you know, ABC glass to come out Mm -hmm. and do a bid on my storefronts because I know they have a similar, you know, uh, you know, goal of working with other local businesses, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Because I remember... Maybe it's maybe it's time to talk about getting a, a little like arts and culture splinter group together. <laughs> maybe, yeah, Who it's knows? similar
2: to like how they have devour for restaurants in yeah. the food and beverage industry. Mm-hmm. There's always room for for growth, but I find that there's a lot of great there, you know there's a lot of great gr- groups that w- come together around the arts, but maybe not the business aspects of right. the arts. Yeah, that might be a yeah area well, it's of a opportunity thing to
1: keep going in Phoenix too. There's a right. lot of them, you know, people that are friends of mine that have that had started them. And had to shut them down pretty surely after. Yeah, afterwards. you know, I would you know. actually
2: recommend reaching out to um, cahoots. Okay, and uh, I find I found a lot of value there just through meeting other people that are you know doing independent mm. things. It, th- th- we have a podcast room. Their new, their new property in uh, midtown you know they so they do podcasting and you meet a lot of people that are like when you talk to them they're like well I do these three things Mm. and then I sometimes do these five things and you're like (laughs) I totally get that
1: (laughs) Uh, I wanted to so how long did you have your gallery for
2: well um so the the gallery was Trio and okay. I did it with um two other people with uh, Stacy Champion and Joe Berklesich okay. and they have um a real like history and involvement and leadership within the arts mm-hmm. um and so I was a part of it for two for I'd say for a little like two and a half years I think it was there on, over on 6th and Garfield mm. for 4 years um I I left and had to just focus on business and work and um and uh stacy continued stacy and joe really continued to to stay and run it um but having the art space is something that it uh it was it was if i if i could i would have you know i would keep a small community space that had an arts focus, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that I could run my business out of and do sort of side projects, passion projects. Mm-hmm. Like I would, and I would have, uh, really create a community and like a little business around it as well. Like the work that goes into mm-hmm. getting these, um, projects, you know, re- well received and connected and all of that. I, w- I would, I loved it. Um, but you know, to do it and do it well, it takes, it takes energy and so i was focusing i've been focusing more on my business and but i've always really enjoyed um finding ways to involve the arts in the developments as Mm -hmm. well and um and so having the art space was a really great like exercise and okay let's like curating shows engaging with artists doing all the marketing Mm -hmm. you know being in a space, consi- you know, consistently, whereas I've been, you know, I go space to space. I t- take a project, I renovate it, mm-hmm. I get it leased up, I manage from a distance, but I don't have a place where, oh my gosh, it's four o'clock, I need to go and open up for mm-hmm. First Friday, like... Right. I didn't, I hadn't had that before and I loved it. Um, and I also, you know, found it a little, it was a little difficult for me to actually have to stay in one space. I like missed going to everyone else's art shows, oh, Yeah, you know, but I also loved having people come through the door and talking with them. And I loved how people were so appreciative of you having a space that was open that they could come and engage in that way with mm. artists or creatives or see art or, you know, and I, I really appreciated that too. So I've always loved, uh, bringing people together around the projects and around art in general um, and so and that's always been a love of mine actually when I was saying like oh okay my first project if I were to fail mm-hmm. my backup <laughs> plan was I would run a gallery out of there <laughs> so really good that it worked out um, but um yeah, I've always had an interest in the arts.
1: Well, and so does that is that where this relationship with Jim Kova Cover- Oh Rubius? yeah, Jim Kova yeah. yeah. How did that come into into being?
2: I met Jim Covarubius through yeah, um, putting uh, preparing shows at, at Trio, mm. and so I met uh, and I we probably would have met like five different ways because we have a lot of connections you know it's like it's phoenix we're all so connected the longer yeah we all we're we're all a few degrees separated (laughs) so um but yeah i met jim and um he was working um at the Capitol at the time Mm. so okay i i'm gonna go on a tangent here um it actually relates back to campbell house where we're sitting right now okay because um this property was um Uh, before the person I purchased it from this was owned by Senator Ben Miranda Mm. and Ben and Jim went to um, ASU together and they were both uh, veterans and they became very good friends and this was Ben's law office and also his campaign office Mm. back in the 90s early 90s and 80s uh, when I purchased this place, you don't know how many phone lines I pulled out. Like the phone room was insane because it was like old school campaign and wow. like all these beautiful walls just having like these lines like bolted in. And it was it, like abating the lines was a real like chore. And so, but this property at one point had all of Jim's artwork up because he was really great friends with Ben. Mm. Well, when Ben passed, his widow who uh, took his Senate seat, um, Catherine Miranda, went to, to Jim and said, "Hey, I would like to do a memorial for for Ben and let's put your artwork up in the Senate building at the mm. Capitol." And at that time, we were working with Jim to show his work at Trio. Ah. And I said, "Oh my gosh, you're going to do this. What a cool opportunity." And so I went and I met with him and and I was like, "You know, let's go to the Capitol, let's find the works that they got and they they kind of just grabbed some Grab, like a lot of random stuff, they just like went to a studio and was like this, this, and that. And I'm like, no, you have so many Arizona-themed and Arizona, um, uh, uh, you know, related to Arizona history pieces of artwork. Like, let's put those in the forefront. And mm-hmm. so, and just through that, we just like we. Um, so I helped him with curating that show. Hmm i helped him with curating the show and then we were like let's put it together in a website let's find other places for the show let's find other ways to get artists to show at the capitol um it was at a time now they have a have a um a gallery where they're bringing in like current live artists to show contemporary work at Mm. the at the capitol museum but at that that time they um they had they weren't they were just doing like showing the archives in the library and the regular tours at the museum. Hmm. So we we saw a huge opportunity there. Like, let's get some artists in there. And then since then, we just have found creative projects to work on together. Meaning, actually, in the back room right now, I have all of of his old videotapes that I'm helping him with, uh, that he used to do. He used to put together um, interviews of artists, Arizona artists, back in the 70s and 80s. Because um, he's always sort of been involved in organizing around the arts, and so I'm working with him on archiving them,
1: getting them all transferred to digital, exactly, and all that exactly, kind of thing. and then oh, that's really cool.
2: Yeah. So yeah, and so he's become a great friend, and, and yeah, and his art is is uh, is excellent. I mean, he just like he's been he's taught me a lot about history in Arizona. You know, he's a storyteller.
1: Well, that's fantastic. So you you found a way to to do this 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 business and and work that you enjoy doing and also keep involved in the arts. Yeah, just like so. I was
2: saying, it's like this full circle. It's mm-hmm. like how can I use the how can I create a lifestyle mm-hmm. that is related to all of my interests, you know, that that keep it really, you know, um, exciting. And so, yeah, I've always tried to find ways of like showing art in spaces. So whenever I have like a vacancy, mm-hmm of a space I'll be like time for a pop up art show <laughs> you know or like you know um and and try to make it relatable to the actual neighborhood that the building's in so mm. like let's find an artist that's working in that area let's you know well, That's fantastic. Yeah and and you know because i mean and they're just one and the same it's like you know the arts and you know, the change in like sort of historic preservation mm-hmm. that there's so many relationships that are there, yeah. you know, and so there's a lot of ways to, to engage, to engage, you know, in the arts when you're doing development work.
1: Well, it's, I mean, and I think that it's finding a way to showcase what's special about that area yep. is, you know, that's, um, I was talking recently to, um, Mike Logan, who's in, uh. You love know mike? mike all right yes. yeah he was a great guy um yes i will be
2: at wayne fest on saturday i'm so there. excited yeah
1: that's awesome but and the fact that it's all bands containing musicians who live in the neighborhood and food by you know oh, people uh, yeah. who also have a foothold in the neighborhood I, th- I think you know that to what he's me doing that's like that what is, we're made of yeah.
2: phoenix like that's the phoenix i know and love mm-hmm. is like when it's sort of this diy kind of approach to fun and engagement it's like Oh, you know, you're, you know, you're in a band like like just that creativity of like, let's do porch concerts. Like, mm-hmm. let's have this, right. you know, traveling festival through our neighborhood because we have a lot of bands here right. and just that like, let's have fun. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is Phoenix is, you know, when you're just like I was over at Grand Ab Fest this weekend mm-hmm. and, you know, when you're just um and there's so many great things to see, but I saw that Beatrice Moore posted on Facebook. She posted, you know, people were decorating all the stanchions mm-hmm. that for the scooter program they have all those scooter stanchions out yeah. those like white posts that are like kind of unsightly and yeah. and uh you know and so it's like everyone was like decorating them um with materials so they have like you know and they, they had all these materials there for making hats so people were decorating the stanchions and now they're staying there on grand and i just <laughs> was like yes like make your own fun that's fantastic that's i mean.
1: That area of town, too, so that just you know briefly there many years ago at this point, probably like five years ago or something, I was um, one of the things that kind of Spawned some of this was uh, an organization called Four Chambers Press, and oh yeah, yeah. yeah so I was doing. Were you part a, of Four Chambers? I was. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I was. Yeah, actually, there were some
2: great partnerships I know that came out of that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was that year I was uh, doing events and programming, and so one of the things that we and worked you guys on were at
2: Lawn Gnome, right? Too, you did we some used to do some things at yeah. Lawn Gnome. We so did that's some, when I was at Trio, and okay. I would sit at night, and I could hear the <laughs> yeah. like the speak the you know people in the back. You know, reading and and all the the different stand up nights and and such there yeah. around it, and I would hear and I'd be like,
1: I need to get over there. <laughs> we did this one year. We did the festival of literary oddities in when yes. they had the yeah. um, mutant pinata show. Oh gosh, I love the we mutant had pinata this, show. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I just, I mean, those those are the things, those sort of connections and things that you can do and these unique spaces that you can do them in. That you know make you know that, that that are one of the reasons that I haven't just like moved to LA or something totally. like that or
2: oh yeah. yeah anytime I think about moving away mm-hmm. I mean one now I can't mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I got I got responsibilities yeah. all your stuff's and, here yeah all my stuff <laughs> you know I can't I can't pick it up and take it with me mm-hmm. Um but when I have thought about it it's, it's just I don't we have such a special community here mm-hmm. and uh, the way that we um engage and interact around you know, these, these neighborhoods is totally unique. Mm -hmm. And I do still think part of that is there's a lot of factors to it, but I think part of it is that, um, the affordability piece, which is, you know, when you're not like nose to the grindstone of in that culture Mm -hmm. of, you know, hyper competitive, very expensive, you have a little bit more room to, to play and explore and, um, and yeah, anytime I think about going back, I, you know, I I just think it's it's the barriers are lower
1: here to really right. you know try things out. And well, I and that's love that. the thing. There's still there's still like a kind of kind kind of uh, well you know a wild west aspect to it, yeah, right? It's Where you totally can try things. You can't you know you can't do that in L.A. anymore. You can't do that in Portland anymore either. It's all completely priced out. You know. Yeah. It's, but we can we can still do that here.
2: We can. So, yeah. We absolutely can. And there's yeah, there's uh, uh, it was it was exciting. It was like, you know, here I am over on Grand. And yes, there's thousands of people out on Grand Festival where mm-hmm. I can remember where it would be like biking down the street and you go in, you're like, how many people came in today? Mm-hmm. Like, did you see anyone? You know, yeah. and it's so it's so different. But it was like it's even better. I was like, this is, you know is it a threatened area, a Mm -hmm. historic neighborhood that's threatened because like, yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. But does it mean there's just more people that are coming in that are, also interested in the arts and you know families and people from other parts of the 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 city that are like getting to have this quality experience it's mm-hmm. like that's great they're gonna they're gonna you know the more they engage in that the more they're gonna become advocates
1: of it like right. oh exactly. i want you know
2: we want to maintain it that's where i go and i you know have this arts festival that's the fruit and hope anyway um, i know right i'm i'm like like compulsively optimistic. I think you have to be to live here (laughs) or the other side, or you can just be this like, you know, total pessimist hater on like all the changes. So I (laughs) I flip to the other side of that coin. I I
1: try, I definitely fall into the pessimist category, but I try, there's enough, Mm -hmm. you know, cool things that pop up where I'm like, you know, yeah. Okay. So at least we keep, Getting to do this stuff, yeah, totally. It stays interesting. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a great space to do the interview in, too.
2: Yeah, and, no, yeah. I was excited to to get this chance to speak with you, and I'm excited. I'm you know excited to um, uh, participate in the series. I think it's great for oh, promoting uh, creatives and, and and artists and and finding more spaces to to you know um, uh, connect people around that. That's great. I mean, we need that. We need that in Phoenix. (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate that.
1: Thank you. Um, And yeah, cool. I think we're good. Okay. Awesome.
0: All right. That's it. That's the show. Thank you as always for listening. Um, (laughs) Thanks again to Ashley Harder for sitting and talking to me. I did. I really enjoyed meeting and talking to her. Um, and i think she what she's doing is great and go to harderdevelopment.com and and learn more information about her projects um i didn't mention any of the the like promotional stuff or anything like that and that's that's fine i'm just going to run through it really quick here if you are out and about for festivus um and waddle is going to have a table there so, if you're looking for literary gifts, uh, books, and and whatnot, uh, we will be there to service that need. It's on the, what's actually this week as the first date. So, December twelfth and nineteenth will be there. I think it runs from five to ten. Um, so, you know, come on by and uh, and pick up a collection of poetry or or short stories or or creative nonfiction. We have. Whatever you're, you know, that (laughs) would. We have some great stuff for people on your list who like, uh, you know, good experimental literature, um, not the sort of, of, uh, popcorn fluff that you would normally, that mainstream fiction, but if you want something a little more interesting, um, and thoughtful and, uh, Something that'll make you really think we have that. Uh, LTD Engagement on Instagram. That's where I do all my posting for that. Uh, That's where I do all my posting, period. If anybody's finding my old personal account, uh, don't follow that. Follow LTD Engagement because that's, uh, that's where I'm posting everything now. And at LTD underscore engagement on Twitter, you can email ltd.engagement at gmail.com, and if you want to support this and other projects um, that I'm working on financially, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash hoot and waddle and uh, become a monthly subscriber there. Patron gets started a dollar a month, and uh, perks go $5 and more. I just went through all my old files and finished organizing all the limited engagement archives so I can start loading those up uh, to be exclusive for people there. And um, that's going to do it. I'll have a show next week. Um, and I'll see you then. And uh, try to try to stay well. And uh, look forward to the next year. All right. See you on down the road.
1: This has been a Waddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from hootenwaddle.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hoot and & Waddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash